You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian, with me, a man who had 13 great takes in one podcast and wouldn't stop celebrating them. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. Duck farts. <laughs> I definitely did some duck farts. Leg farts. It was leg, leg farts, farts. not yeah. duck farts. Yeah. yeah. It's a totally different thing. Well, no, my celebration is actually duck farts. So it's basically, oh. like, a sh- <laughs> it's, it's basically like a shot is, that you yeah. take. Yeah. This is the most you know, intelligent podcast about soccer. Uh, it is. It's very as, refined, as you can tell. We're the we're we're the we're the numbers people. Um, it's been a little while, Harrison. It's been a couple weeks. Things happened. Um, you know, we got busy. Our lives were tumultuous at times, but but alas, we returned. Uh, in the middle of everybody else kind of taking a little break from MLS as we sort of cast our eyes on a World Cup that has been uh, thus far no shortage of excitement. Maybe a little shortage of drama. I guess there was some drama today, wasn't there? There is a little bit with uh, Norway and France, but, you know. Sure, sure. Um, you know, certainly <laughs> the awareness of Women's World Cup soccer uh, has probably not been higher uh, in this country in a very, very long time. Uh, as uh, even here in, in, in Tennessee, the local uh, talk radio guys were weighing in on the controversy and uh, talked about it for about an hour, <laughs> apparently. That's, that's crazy. Like, I, I honestly, I can't, I can't believe like 24 hours we're s- later we're still talking we're about still talking about this. And it's not even like the accomplishments. It just it's the idea. This is the of, bummer of it, right? Like, right. I mean, no matter what your take on it is, and I obviously have one, but. Like lost at all this is like they broke an all time record. Like they just like set a new standard in World Cup goal scoring and, and like instead of talking about how awesome that is, it's just been about this. It's been about stupid like this. Yeah, it it, it definitely and, and it's not like a great like it doesn't matter which side you on, there's yeah. like some vitro just coming out on both sides and it mm-hmm. it's it just it uh if you're on one side it's like stop talking and on the other side it's like stop talking you just yeah i'm not going to use the 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 good people on both sides but there are bad people on both sides of this argument i've learned on twitter absolutely (laughs) there there are one thousand percent and it makes Uh, me very depressed yeah so uh anyway congratulations to our uh, united states women's national team for uh scoring 13 goals in a game and uh hopefully they uh will not be given any comeuppance but uh boy it's going to be a good narrative going forward isn't it and uh, speaking maybe. of narratives boy look at that i'm like a pro man i just did that off the cuff that segue it, it, it was i you know what i don't applaud you enough um i feel like you should celebrate that celebrate that <laughs> i'm gonna i just did a little leg slide here in my office okay. yeah. all right <laughs> uh, so what we thought we'd do during the uh 
this episode is we're kind of taking a little break from MLS. The the world kind of looks elsewhere at, at international games and the like. Is that we just kind of check in with our teams. And um, for those of you that don't uh, visit our website, go visit our website. What's wrong with you? I uh, know that I uh, read a column there on occasion uh, called "Expected Narratives," where I discuss the latest in, you know narratives of Major League Soccer. Uh, basically. Not always true things that people seem to say or what the, the prevailing wisdom is on things. Um, but, but it's a very big factor in the way that sports is covered these days and the way it's discussed and sort of uh, uh, I think it's important because it does like these kinds of narratives like do kind of give weight um, to certain things. And, and I think that it'd be crazy to say that, that players and coaches don't hear them, that it doesn't affect them. Um, so uh, I think it's kind of a funny thing to look at. And uh, one of the things that, 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 that me and Harrison talked about <clears throat> this break was that a lot of narratives have changed since the beginning of the season. Like we can kind of go back to like preseason of what we thought about each of these teams. Um, and then I thought we'd check in with what the narrative kind of seems to be right now. And Harrison could kind of weigh in and say whether he agrees with the narrative or if it's wrong or, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, I thought we'd start with the West this week and then next week we'll do the East. And then after that, we'll be back to, to whatever, uh, MLS is going on. Right. Or wait, we'll talk gold cup or something. We'll talk gold cup or something. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll st- the U.S. will still be in that gold cup at that point. Hopefully. Um, so, all right, let's Sans start. Tyler uh, Adams. Let's start in the West. Oh man, Tyler Adams, our best right back. All right, Colorado gone. Uh, let's start. <laughs> we're gonna start at the bottom <laughs> of the West uh, with Colorado. Uh, my recollection of the preseason narrative around them was that uh, this team is terrible. It has a very bad coach. It is run very badly. Uh, but they signed a couple interesting players like Benny Fieldhaber, Kai Kamara, and maybe we can start to see a little bit of improvement, but not much to be expected from this team. Um, and I think the uh, what has happened since then, the narrative now is they fired that coach, Connor Casey's back in charge, uh, Fieldhaber got traded away, and this is arguably the worst team in the league. I... I, I... They very much are the worst team in the league. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's, <laughs> that's not even a narrative, right? That they're at well, least on points per. I think, per, I think points Cincinnati is wise. technically a little worse. Technically a little worse. Oh, okay. Like, oh, in the league, you're right. Um, I'm thinking like conference wise. Yeah, conference wise, um, not, yeah, not close the, to an argument. The Cincinnati's a completely different beast in and of itself. Uh, yeah. We probably shouldn't even be comparing anybody to. <laughs> Uh, to them presently. If you're but, a team that's been around since 1995, Cincinnati is not a team you want to be compared to. I would definitely, I would agree with that. Yes. Um, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I think it's true. They're they're bad. They're not getting much better. Um, they they did some interesting things in the trade window, which could make them interesting to watch for the rest of the year a little bit to see some younger players. They seem to kind of be going all in on that younger player uh, train um, strategy, and and so that's that's interesting enough, I guess. Um, but but other than that, I think it's just they, you know things are not looking a whole lot brighter uh, uh, in Denver. Well, uh, yes and no, right? So Jonathan Lewis is on that team, and you know I, you're right. Uh, a lot of this is going to be what makes them look. Uh, more or kind of be more aesthetically pleasing over the second half of the season, which I mean, there's legitimately no shot at making the playoffs. I mean, uh, this team does not, they, they've squarely put themselves in, in a situation to where um, they have like a small outside the box type opportunity. Maybe Um, looking at the playoff seating probability that we have up on the website right now. And they're about 
less than 2% chance of getting that seventh seed. And, um, you know, that's... It's not nothing. That It's not nothing. Technically, uh, not nothing. Absolutely right about that. Um, however, dot, 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 there's... It just seems like there... I mean, like, there's really a snowball chance in hell that they're going to get... Uh, they're gonna get to that seventh seed, and oh, so I, I take the over on the snowball. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> and, and, and look, they did make some good moves, right? Uh, I was a fan of the Lawless Abubakar uh, move. Um, I'm glad that they're strengthening their defense. Um, you know, Andre Shinashiki is getting more minutes um, as he's continued to prove uh, his viability. It'll be kind of interesting to see if maybe he can work outside and like as kind of like an inside winger ish um we're gonna find out kind of <laughs> yeah how is dylan is dylan cerna really the the best fit as a left back um you know uh that's i think something that i think they need to f- kind of figure out um declan win they seemed bound and determined to to uh, try that proof of concept um same with uh, Wilson there in the center midfield. I don't, I don't know why they keep doing that. Uh, Cole Bassett, though, is really interesting. The young, uh, what, 17-year-old, 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have pieces that they're going to they're gonna be interesting. Um, Diego Rubio has not panned out. Um, I kind of feel like that was a little bit obvious from our, our perspective. Um, mm-hmm. He greatly uh, exceeded his expected goals over the course of his time in sporting Kansas city. And that was something that you and I both had kind of talked about this off season is whether or not, um, his goals would catch up with his expected goals or his expected goals would catch up with his goals. Right. Um, yeah. Going to Colorado certainly didn't help with that either. You're, you're, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. But at the same time, um, I don't think that it was looked upon for him necessarily to become the man, right? Um, Kai Kamara was for that. His job was basically just to combine with Kai Kamara. And I feel like he's not done a very good job of that. You know who has done a good job for the Colorado Rapids this season? Who, who's that? Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara has. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, Colorado. Uh, moving on to uh, Portland. <clears throat> Portland was a bit of a murky narrative the, this uh, early season. Uh, I, obviously, they made MLS Cup last season, but probably, um, you know, uh, they weren't, weren't as good in the regular season. Didn't look like in the regular season that would be where they ended up, but it's the playoffs, so anything can happen. Um, and that, you know, they they were going to be relying on Char and Valeri still having legs, and they were going to have a really tough early season run uh, since the stadium renovation meant that they were going to be on the road for like the first however many games. Um, in reality, that's basically exactly what has happened um they had a really rough early season run because they were on the road constantly um char and valeria look mostly fine uh and uh brian fernandez looks like they've added a nice player so really it's tough to get a full read on this team they're gonna have a very strong second half of the season i think with almost all of it at home um but but where are they in reality uh when you average the two things you know i'm, I'm not quite sure yet well, I mean, if you look over kind of the context of how some teams have fared over the past, going back to 2015 is kind of the best data set that we have at our disposal. Portland is decidedly really average on the road. And that's that's not comparing um, them to teams that, you know, although the 
kind of the exception is that you had teams that were able to actually go back and play one road game then play a home game play a road game you know so yeah i think it's fair to say that the problems of being on the road are compounded by being on the road for long stretches of time yeah and and that's totally fair um i will say right now uh our playoff uh predictor basically has them at 66 percent chance to make the playoffs they seem very um destined to fight for one of those back three playoff spots and, mm-hmm. and that's about where i think that they're gonna be at i think with uh brian fernandez he kind of put he seems like he's not necessarily a striker they seem very interested in playing him out at the wing which um you know playing that uh, inside forward uh <laughs> inside winger as you kind of like to refer to it as yeah. um you know, he, he's been really good, and that kind of gives uh, Jeremy Ibabose uh, an opportunity as well. Um, and so you kind of get your best four attackers with Valeri and then Blanco as well onto the onto the field, and that creates a pretty good attack with a team that, um, you know, has had its own set of problems on defense over the years. And when Chara's not able to get on the field, um, you, your best bet is kind of basically to, to try to outscore the team, right? Yeah, I don't think that defense has gotten any better. Um, in in the in the the, the, the last off season or whatever, so um, yeah, sixty six percent seems pretty pretty good to me, considering where they are at the table right now. So um, go on Portland uh, for Sporting Kansas City uh, preseason. Me and you were really high on this team. Um, Peter Vermees, you know, had put together this incredibly strong team. Uh, this is a team that's going to be challenging for the supporter shield. This is a team that's going to be like an easy MLS Cup contender. Like, this team has no weaknesses. They got a good coach. They got a good system. They've had a couple of years to kind of let it percolate. Uh, this was their year to explode. Uh, actuality, nope. No. <laughs> nope. None of that happened. Um, obviously, injuries are uh, very, very bad for SKC uh, for the last few months. Um, and now they've left themselves with a lot of work to do in the second half of the season. Yeah. I, and, and I feel like that's that congested early schedule on top of all the injuries Mm -hmm. did them a great disservice. I mean, for the last month we've been joking about, you know, which fans are they going to put on the field to make the 18? I mean, on multiple games, they haven't had enough players to, to to even feel 18. Yeah. So this is a really strong team up and down full 25, 30 players. This is a really strong team. The problem is, is they just have had so many injuries. It's, it's decimated their depth. This is one of the teams that I thought was one of the strongest and, and one of the deepest teams that we've ever seen in MLS. Um, I mean, Kellen Rowe, even with, you know, the, the issues that we've seen hasn't even necessarily got as many starts as what we would have thought. Right. Um, And that's not necessarily due to Kellen Rowe being bad. It's just, he's competing with, you know, Benny Fellhaber and now being on the team, he's now competing with, you know, still uh, Roger Espinoza as Espinoza is getting back and healthy. He's, you know, there's all just a log jam of players that it seems like every position has its own set. Um, I, I feel like the big thing that we were both um, kind of up in arms about is they didn't need to solve that attacking problem, quote unquote, that that pro- attacking problem was going to solve itself. 
because mm. of the quality of depth that they had. And I feel like early on, that's really shown itself to be kind of true. I know they've gone through a few different ups and downs as far as scoring goals and kind of kind of maybe going through a little bit of a goal drought here and there. But I mean, as far as it goes for the Western Conference, they're sitting um, fourth in uh, goals for per 90 minutes. So, I mean, with 1.59 right behind LAFC, Portland, and Seattle, it's not like they're being um, completely wiped clean um, on the attack. And it's largely been their defense that hasn't been good enough, which is kind of surprising for a Peter Vermees team. And again, I think that points to the fact that they've had a lot of turnover this past year. And they're also, they've had a lot of, uh, they've had a lot of injuries. Yeah. And certainly like when we look at SKC's offense, feast or famine is kind of the way it's been, um, for a few years. Uh, that's sort of the way that the, the Peter Vermees train tends to roll. So, no, that's surprising. I think that just, yeah, I mean, there's nothing to say that isn't just, it's injuries. I mean, that was really the main uh, factor behind what's gone on with their team early this year and why they aren't where they should be. Um, and I don't know, what, what, is their, what does the model say their chance of getting back into this is? 32%. Um, that's not that's not great. That, it, it's not. It's not. It, it doesn't really like them very much for anything but the seventh seed at 10%. Um, mm-hmm. So they're going to have to fight out RSL. They're going to have to fight out Minnesota. Um, but that being said, the model can't see the quality that they have and that we know that they possess. Right. Um, so it, look, I know that I've taken a lot of crap for, um, kind of the things that I've said. I, I, I said that honestly, I really thought this was going to be one of the all time best MLS teams and they've kind of fallen flat on their face, but I'll, I know I'll double down. I really do believe that they're going to make the playoffs. I really think that they're going to be a strong team when they're in the playoffs, um, this is a type of team as far as their tactics and as far as the personnel that they, uh, deploy, I feel like they, they're, they're primed to be one of the few teams that can really take LAFC on. They were one of the teams that, that took some points off them early, right? Right. With the Back draw. When they were full strength. That was, that was a while ago. Um, uh, all right. My favorite time of, of every podcast, it's Mark Dos Santos talk time. <laughs> uh, Vancouver. I think the preseason narrative I wrote down here was new start, rebuilding year for Vancouver under Mark Dos Santos. Expect a good but not great season as the organization looks to build a new identity. Actuality, I think that's more or less what's happened. I'd say they've maybe even have overachieved expectations a bit. Uh, Mark Dos Santos, I think, has definitely made them more interesting to watch, and uh, they seem to be competent at getting results where they weren't so good at that last year. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I think that from you and I's perspective, they've kind of overachieved. And I think from the local Vancouver perspective, they've underachieved, right? Um, so it's That's like probably this, true. It, it's yeah, a weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, from a national perspective, I think that our our narr- the narrative that you've supplied is very much in line, right? Yeah. Um, from what I would expect, but from having as many Vancouver fans as I have and uh, on my Twitter and having, mm-hmm. you know, the interactions that I've had, it, it's surprisingly, um, a little bit frustrated a little bit early on. And I don't think that's necessarily, um, aimed at Dos Santos so much as the organization as a whole, because they've had so many, they've had so many different issues and so many different, um, I don't know if scandal is the right word, but they've had so many different things that have happened off the field and within the yeah. organizational structure that creates a lot more uh, duress on the actual organization and, and, and supporter elements, which yeah, 
for sure. I think complicates the expectation level for the teams. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. You know, we've seen some of the different players that maybe we thought were going to be bigger pieces for this Dos Santos team that maybe haven't really uh, taken center stage, like Philippe. Uh, Philippe kind of has been a holdover, one of the very few holdovers from last year. And he's primarily kind of just taken a bench role. And yeah, it's a little bit surprising considering his that. age. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still, you know, in his late 20s, still, you know, probably a very viable uh, defensive midfielder, midfielder, mm-hmm. box to box. So it'll be kind of interesting to see um, how some of the – Vancouver has a has a pretty good quality of depth it's about trying to now um find a system that uses that depth to its fullest and i i, <laughs> I agree think, with you i think they've yeah. overachieved a little bit i don't think, I think that the, the numbers problem, really back up yet the problem with vancouver is that yes they have good depth and that there's not much of a drop off between one two and three but like none of those players are excellent that's true yeah um so it, it's just kind of like these are all your maybe the canadians will like no, I'm not even going to try a hockey reference. I don't know enough about hockey to pull it off. But, uh, yeah, it's. I think that a lot of players have had very – are all just kind of in that same kind of area. No one no one player has really set themselves apart. Is like, this is this is our star, man. This is like – Well, I mean, like, you got you have Inboom, um, who – Yeah, he's been, been good. He's, he's been, been – He's been – oh, yeah, he's been he's been good. Um, I And then – uh, Adon, uh, who's been kind of interesting there on the left back. Yeah. Um, uh, but aside from that, yeah, I, Daniel Henry has been really good from the, uh, center, uh, central defensive perspective and, sure. uh, you know, the Max who create, uh, Kripow has been a very Kripow, good, yeah. Kripo. Kripo, I think it's Kripo. Uh, yeah. I was trying to figure out like <laughs> trying to in my mind <laughs> phrase that. Kripo. Yeah. Kripo. That sounds suitably French. Uh, yeah, no, I, they, they have some, I... they have some pieces that are good, but they've not necessarily been a consistent or be um great like you said like they're, they're all kind of good pieces but then you have like a bunch of these other pieces it's like do they fit or like uh you have this lucas uh venuto who's been kind of interesting times but wildly inconsistent and then you have loss who's also kind of interesting and then you have him using also like uh what is it uh V, VP up at uh, who's the fullback for um, oh PC PC yeah PC was being deployed as a winger who's been a fullback for the past three seasons and was drafted yeah. as a fullback it's the, it, it's, the it's kind of been a weird career. situation um yeah Freddie Montero's been decent he has been terrible but he had, he's not he getting a lot great. of touches he's yeah he kind of Freddie Montero sort of encapsulates I think this whole. Vancouver standard of excellence as it is right now, which is yeah okay pretty good. And, and that's yet, just kind of where that whole team sort of strives to be at the moment. That's kind of like where they max at, which is which is fine. It's, I, I this sounds like it's critic. I'm being very critical of Vancouver, and I don't intend to be. Like this, they're gonna have to experiment a lot, and like that's kind of what's nice about what they have here. So they have a lot of pieces they can plug and play in a lot of different places, and um, you know, I I would not expect. I understand fans want you know don't want to wait and that's understandable and and that they had a lot more optimism about it but like I, I I'm surprised to hear that that some people would have a pessimistic take on this season considering that you know where they've been and and what they had like the challenges they had to overcome to even get to be this level of competence this year. Well, and I think that you you can see like a level of quality 
in, yeah. in these guys at, at yes. point at, at certain points. I mean, they're the only team to take full three points away from LAFC, right? Mm. Only team. LAFC yeah, has one right. loss this year, and that yeah. was on a Wednesday, a cold Wednesday night we'll in Vancouver. Vancouver. It's, the, it's the Stoke City of MLS. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I'm gonna you, start using that as a as a terrible <laughs> hack narrative. That's and, and that's what it kind of comes down to, right? Um, yeah. it, it's are these guys going to show up and for how much of the game are they going to show up for? And, and that's not to be like, they, they don't have heart or some, you know, you're not going to derive some sort of weird narrative from it, but it, it's just, you know, uh, they they don't execute on a, on a consistent basis. And that makes yeah. them wildly, um, you know, chaotic as far as what you're going to get from them. I mean, they had trouble beating Colorado, <laughs> right? Um, so uh, I don't know. Even Colorado has good days. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, San Jose. Uh, very, very positive preseason narratives about this. Uh, you know, uh, bringing in Almeida, uh, a brand new marquee coach. This is like, this is the jump start we need. You know, we've got a, we've got some talented players who are just always been underperforming. We're going to, this is the year we kind of just, mm, we're going to, we're going to get an inspirational leader and a cohesive identity and a structural uh, plan and we're gonna we're gonna challenge for the for the postseason and um yeah that's kind of what's happened uh they they had a really bad start to the year for sure uh it looked very dire at times but it's turned around um i think that almeida was getting his feet wet a little bit with the team still made a couple of mistakes in team selection uh that were ultimately hampering him and i, I think he's kind of found a decent little unit there now that, that it looks very much like they could be uh aiming at that last playoff spot yeah, so it's kind of interesting because on one side of the uh, on one side, right? They played 15 games and their ex- and their expected points and points are pretty well aligned. And really if you mm-hmm. were to take a look at the Western Conference and you say who are the best seven teams by expected points, San Jose is firmly fixated in that top 7. Yeah. Um that being said, you kind of see how they've accomplished that. And you look at the, the predictor and they have about 27% chance and less than 10% chance to really um, stick at that seventh spot. Um, Man, it's such a thin, thin slice that you're you're competing with RSL and FC Dallas and Minnesota Um, and Portland and, well, yeah, you, and Portland too. Yeah, very again, Dallas. But, I mean, like, like there are a lot of teams that are going to be around there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, it's, a lot of teams that conceivably end up in that little spot. It's really hard to kind of figure out where this team is going, and and while they're, um, it seems like they're steadily going towards the top they it seems like the they they make three steps forward and then two steps back you know so it's progress but it's like it's kind of like confounding progress at the same time going you know well i thought you guys were better you know um i I thought you guys fixed that and you know uh i I do think this is going to be a team that in 18 months is a playoff team Um, yeah and, and i don't I don't mean like, oh, they're going to be a six set. I think they're a team that's that's going to be uncomfortably good. Um, I, yeah, I still firmly for our narratives. Yeah, I I, I still I still still firmly believe in the, the Almeida process right now, um, mm-hmm. and what they're trying to 
accomplish, but I think it's going to take a little bit more time. And I think that this season they're going to be on the cusp of the playoffs. And I think that they're still, I still think they're a player or two uh, away from firmly being in that, in that discussion. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the people on that cusp, I guess the next few teams are going to be there. Well, uh, real salt Lake kind of hanging there. Uh, I think the preseason kind of talk around them was the, you know, they were occasionally very good, but, but mostly inconsistent. Um, there was a lot of questions about Petke. Um, I don't think those have totally gone away. Um, and they really needed Sam Johnston to be good. They kind of needed that, like, striker was something they never really uh, fully, like, had, like, a great player there. Um, and maybe, like, that, if a good striker in that position would, would you know, finally get, the, like, the last piece of that attack. Um, and I, I don't think that narrative's changed at all, really, in the course of no. the season. I think they're more or less exactly where we kind of thought they'd be. They're good, but not great. Um challenging for that like last playoff spot like everyone else and uh johnson's been okay but but not, not excellent and um you know uh i guess rusnak too uh has been about where he has been i don't think much has changed uh, i i think you can make a, a good argument that um you know a, a, a change with pet key i think you could make a good argument that you know a couple more new players are needed here but but it, it's a weird season but but this is more or less exactly where, where i thought rsl would be the one thing that I will say with Rusniak is he's getting in better positions. You see a slight uptick in his expected goals per 96. So mm-hmm. he's doing a little bit more. Um, his expected goals plus his six expected assists is firmly above that uh, um, that halfway line and that 6.1. That's, that's solid. And so we're starting to see a little bit more um, in the underlying numbers than what we had in past seasons. So that's the one thing that's that's the one thing that's like that glimmer of hope to me because while you're right um overall his numbers are I don't want to say pedestrian because that seems cruel but mm-hmm. uh and maybe even a little bit um like uh, just it, it's it's just a wrong use of the word but uh I feel like there's there's he might be coming to that point to where he can actually lead this team the way that they want him to be. Um, they've put a lot of eggs in that, in that Rusniak basket, especially like last year where they basically, um, he sat out that game in SKC, which is at this point in time, a pretty good rivalry between the two clubs. Yeah. Um, so that he could get that, uh, a contract extension and raise that he felt he deserved. Yeah. Um, and so they've, they've put a lot of stock in him. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, I haven't quite um, seen what everybody else has seen. Um, but it, the underlying numbers are starting to catch up to the expectation and the narrative. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, it, he could have a, a second half. And I think that that's exactly what uh, Petke is, tr- is hoping for. Um, because, you know, you look at Krylik, uh, Demir Krylik is kind of, regressed uh from what he was last year um Mm -hmm. you know while he's still getting you know some expected goal shots and everything he's man his underlying numbers are exactly the same and and they're doing exactly what we kind of thought they would and that is he's not being as big of a goal scorer he's taking fewer shots um and you know he's not some uh playmaking fulcrum uh alongside uh you know, uh, Rusniak that you would expect. So uh, at this point in time, you're, you're hoping, A, your young defense 
um, finds its footing more consistently. Yeah. And Rusniak basically becomes that, that guy, basically Krylek from last year. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> at this point in time, that's the only way our, I see RSL getting past uh, teams like Dallas, teams like Portland. Um, they're they're going to definitely have to have uh, their whole team step up because there there's so many pieces that are just still unknown. Right, yeah. like I feel like we, we every time we've talked about Portland for the past two years, we talk about so many pieces that are that are needing to mature. And, and while we're starting to see a little bit of that, we're still not seeing it enough. Yeah, uh, it is true. It's true. Um, still, still, the jury is still out, as they say, on on, on the Real Salt Lake. Um, let's move on to uh, Minnesota, uh, Loon Town. Um, definitely preseason narrative around them was, hey, new stadium. Big acquisitions here. We got Alonzo. We got Apara. Uh, if there was ever going to be like a time for this team to make a big postseason push, like this is it. This is the first year where they could like plausibly do that. Uh, Quintero's awesome. He can make this team better than what they are, and this could be a year where they do something. Um, in actuality, it's pretty good. Yeah, like this has definitely been a very positive season for Minnesota so far. Um, the new signings have bettered him well. I think Quintero hasn't been quite as dominant as he was last year, but, but you can check me on that. Um, but he's been still very good, and uh, his team has been good. Uh, that right back they got, uh, Metinair, uh, has been amazing. Uh, Ozzy Napero have been as good as advertised. And, like, well, like, I think those two players didn't shore up all of their defensive issues. Uh, they shored up a lot of them. Um, and I think, like, any Minnesota fan would be hard-pressed to, like, feel negative about how things have gone thus far. I think, I think this is a big jump forward for Minnesota this year. Yeah, um, I think the reason why Quintero's impact isn't felt as much this year as it was last year is because he just has fewer minutes, right? Yeah. Um, he, he's been injured a lot. He's had a lot of games that he's, I shouldn't say a lot, um, he, he's had a handful of games that he's missed. And to be perfectly honest, some of the games that he's uh, been on the field for, he just hasn't been healthy for, right? Yeah. He's getting on the, he he's doing it because... Uh, 50% Quintero is better than the next best option. And with all due respect to, you know, um, um, some of the different players that they have on their team, and I can't think yeah. of who his direct replacement would be. I guess maybe Miguel Ibarra, but one of uh, the Ibarras. Yeah, like I, I, I don't necessarily. I guess they kind of go to a four-four-two when that's when he's out. But um, yeah, so Quintero's expected goal numbers is actually better than it was last year when oh, he's wow. on the field, oh, yeah. uh, which. Uh, largely is due to the fact that he's taking more shots. It's being it's being fueled probably by uh, lower expected uh, goal shots. So he's probably taken uh, he's taken about two or three really I don't want to say bad shots, yeah. but instead of him ta- finding you know one or two really good shots, he's basically kind of piecemealing uh, a collection of okay shots together um, this year while. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily connecting the same amount of passes as what he was beforehand. So that's why maybe uh, from an eye perspective, we might say, well, he's kind of lost a step, but expected goals is kind of saying, well, he's still basically the same player. He He's doing stuff just maybe not to the same high quality that we were seeing beforehand, right? Yeah, that um, makes sense. That makes sense. And then as, as far as uh, the team goes. I, I mean, they're they're definitely they're one of the four teams in the Western Conference that has an expected a positive expected goal differential, and you know they're firmly in that seventh seed hunt right now. Um, they have a better than fifty percent chance to make the playoffs, 
and they have a 10% better than 10% chance to make the fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh seed. So, I mean, they're going to challenge everyone for a spot. Um, they are firmly in that discussion, exactly kind of what we expected, expect San Jose to be, uh, in a year. This is basically Minnesota's, um, Minnesota's lack of a better term. This is their window. Um, they might be able to extend that window with some younger players, but right now, uh, with an aging Opara, Quintero, uh, Ozzy, this is kind of what they have. They've kind of bought themselves maybe a year, maybe two, maybe, um, so they're going to have to, they're definitely, I think in it to, for one of these seeds, but I think they need one more piece to really make a good run. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There, there's a lot of work still to do there in Minnesota, but, but, uh, early signs of construction are, are positive. So good job, Loons. I'm happy to be able to say it. Good job, Loons. Um, all right. On the other, uh, another guy, team, what's his next? Okay. Oh, FC Dallas. Yeah. Okay. I got this one straight up wrong. Um, where, uh, you know, I think I wasn't the only one that said that, like, this is a team that could struggle this year. And I think there are very good reasons to think that, um, you know, losing a coach like Pareja, uh, who has been such an integral part of the organization and kind of like a very, very auteurish kind of, um, you know, uh, thumbprint on, on all aspects of the way it was run. Um, you know, you get rid of your two biggest goal threats from last year, Rudy and Lamar. Uh, you know, you're looking to play your kids, which is a really nice, it's nice in theory, but it doesn't always work out great. And, uh, you know, I thought there was a good chance this could be ugly. And I think that we saw that a lot of people make that same comment. Um, actuality, I think that results have been better than expected. And I would say better than deserved in a lot of ways. Um, I think there's some definite cracks in the team. And I think that people are starting to, to notice that. Uh, but guys like Palmy calls been excellent and Lucci's done a really good job so far. Yeah, I, I think um, I agree with you with the idea that there's been a lot of cracks, right? Um, they, they've had a few injuries and they've had a few, um, you know, uh, unfortunate uh, situations with red cards and stuff that, you know, have kind of thrown a couple games away um, for them and made things a little bit worse than what they maybe should be. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, uh, yeah, this is a team that has definitely, I think, uh, come out and put a better foot forward than what I expected. I thought that they were going to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more fair game for a few teams, you know, and, and there's going to be some young kids that were going to take some licks, but you know, th- they have, they, Pomacol has definitely been a leader on this team, uh, more so than what I think a lot of us, uh, expected. And it's not that we thought, you know, I don't think anyone thought Pomacol was just going to be, um, this, you know, the, yeah, this playmaker yeah. that was, but I mean, they've kind of, Jason Poon calls him Ladero, um, the American Ladero, which in, in a lot of ways is insulting to me, uh, on a personal level, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> it's, against your brand, so. it, it's, it's very against my brand, but, uh, that being said, I get what he sees in it. And that is, uh, the work rate plus the creativity, um, and, and that's huge. That's huge for a team that needs both of those things. Uh, in the past, they've had a 10 that could create, but didn't necessarily always put forth uh, the work rate that they needed. And especially for Lucci's uh, system that they have, they, they really need both of those things. Um, I, I've liked Lucci's uh, possession-based uh, build from the back. Um, 
ethos early on. I think it's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of fun um, from uh, coming from a Dallas team that uh, has largely been a counterattacking team under um, over the last couple of years, or at least kind of comes across as that. Yeah, I think that was my sorry. I, didn't know. I think that was my biggest surprise uh, about Dallas this year was I expected uh, Lucci to kind of be just a continuation of Pereja. Pereja the yeah. sequel, uh, and and certainly uh, that he's really changed things up a lot. No, I, I very much agree, and and that's kind of been the fun thing about him, and not just that, but he's been throwing out young players like not like forget just Pomegal, but uh yeah. Cirillo and uh you have uh a couple I mean Hollingshead uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, these guys are I think that they've had that player kids mantra a little bit prematurely foisted on them before but but this year certainly they are they are captains of the player kids ship agreed no yeah so it, it again um I think you nailed it when it says that it's a little premature. Our rankings don't love them. Um, you know, they're, they're sitting a little bit higher as 70%, um, which is a little bit surprising considering what they have done so far from an expected goal perspective. But also you have to remember, you know, home games and, you know, past history comes into effect. Uh, so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that, how that goes going forward. It seems to, to, to like it, like them pretty well. Uh, so, yeah. all right. The Texas rival is the Houston dynamo. Um, I feel like the story hasn't changed on this team in like three years. Uh, I but feel like it cha- I feel like it changes weekly. Like some people buy into <laughs> it and then people hate it. I, yeah. I, well, uh, I mean, the response to it. Sure. But I mean, I think like if we look at like what people were saying preseason, it was like, uh, uh Elise is awesome. Um, you know, when he's on fire, like this is a very, very hard team to keep quiet. Mendoza is going to be a star this year, um, but there are always questions about their defense and their poor waveform. Uh, um, and I think that in actuality, that's kind of true. I mean, Elise has been not as like dominant as last year, but still very good by any metric. Mendoza is still very good. Um, he's playing very, very well. Uh, I think they've had a really nice. I think they've had a pretty, uh, I'd say, a forgiving schedule thus far um, in the year. Uh, pretty home heavy. I think they're going to struggle a little bit more in the second half of the season, and um, you know that's assuming Elise doesn't get sold, which is always a possibility. Um, I think that happening would, would be very, very hard for Houston to to have any kind of decent second half of the season. Yeah, no, I, I but definitely... But the defense has yeah. been better. I want to say that the defense has been better. I should point that out, I think. No, it has been. like And, like, 50-year-old uh, Maynard Figueroa has <laughs> been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, him, him and Struna have done really well. Yeah, uh, Kiki Struna, I think that we kind of, early on, um, with some of his preseason behavior, we kind of he kind of came across as like Eastern European thuggish, um, and, and I make no apologies at all for that because uh, he, he got carded in one game and then kicked another uh, one of the Sounders youngsters. So it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a strong start uh, for him, but he he's come back and he's been really good. And Manor Figueroa has been excellent. And to be perfectly fair, he. Sh- he had some weaknesses in Dallas out at left back, um, getting back. Um, but the expectation was for him to get also get forward. Now that with that expectation removed and the fact that he can solely focus on defense, we, we've definitely seen an improvement. Um, 
he doesn't wander. He's pretty, uh, he's pretty sturdy back there. And that's, that's excellent. And he's a great passer too. Um, as far as Elise, it's kind of interesting because Elise is still, um, that guy that can take players on one V one and, and get into the box and create, um, opportunities usually for himself. But this year, uh, there's been a slight adaptation to that, that he's doing it actually more for other people now, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, so far, his expected yeah. assists have uh, taken a, a good size uh, nudge forward. Um, and despite the fact that his you know expe- XG um, on his shots has kind of come down a little bit, he's still creating the same amount of uh, opportunities that he was creating last year, just a slight undertick of the insaneness of, of what he had and was really carried for a few months rather than the season as a, as a whole, right? Um, yeah, for sure. So the the question I think honestly is um, not that I think they have to figure out how to replace Elise. I think they have to find somebody that can uh, create the opportunities that he's creating. Um, obviously, they're not going to find somebody that's going to be able to do all the things all in one. I think they just need to find a creator, and that that'll be the huge question. If they can do that, if they can find somebody that can uh, just mystically uh, sync up with Minutos. Um, that's going to be that could be huge for them because right now uh i really think houston is a team that could um that they could make some they could make some noise in the western conference i don't i, I don't see them in any way competing with lafc i think lafc just absolutely is the team that could shut them down uh but it, they're going to cause a lot of other teams havoc and they're going to really they're going to create problems for so many different you mean uh, like other a, clubs. like a like a playoffs context yeah ab- absolutely yeah. especially when we were talking about a one-off right um yeah, when we're talking yeah. about one-off and you know you're you're saying hey i have minutos and elise those two guys can create something from absolutely nothing and a f- and just a quick flash of a game and you know um there there's some s- some ask slower, the, slower ask, center back pairings in the, the in the Western Conference. The, ask the Portland Timbers about Mormonotes in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, he, he's capable. Um, all right. Uh, up next, we've got Seattle. Uh, preseason narrative, I think, is usually what they people. Uh, this is one of the best teams on paper. Uh, they might have a terrible start because they always do, but they're always going to be thereabouts towards the end. If Ferreira stays healthy, they're going to score a ton of goals. Um, and they're always expected to kind of compete for top honors in the league. Uh, in actuality, that looked like it was going to be the case early in the year. For the first few games, they were very, very strong. Uh, but I think they've cooled significantly in the waiting months. Uh, I know Reedy has missed a ton of time. Not a ton. Well, it was, it was a lot of time. It was several more matches, I think, than people thought due to injury. Um, and just another recent round of injuries and call-ups and other various things have kind of hampered their early season put, you know, push. So... Uh, I do think that there's a sense amongst uh, our crowd that the underlying numbers might be a more accurate reflection of where this team is and the results are. Uh, but currently, they still look pretty strong results-wise. From a results perspective, you you could say that this is a team that could take on LAFC. From Possibly. yeah, from the perspective of the numbers and and what they're doing, the, this team is a step away from crumbling. Um, and look, I, I know that, you know, Seattle fans don't care for my takes. Don't, they don't care for my opinions with this team, but Rui Diaz has to create more opportunities. He's not going to sustain his scoring run. He's just not, 
Well, um, is that on him or is that on, on people around him? Well, because I think you buy a, a guy like Rudy Diaz, you're not saying like do this yourself. You just want him to be in the right place. And well, I mean, you, you look at you look at it. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, where or maybe a week ago, where you know Roldan was in place of Ladero and. Um, Rui Diaz had maybe you know eleven touches in the first half, uh, so exactly. to your to your point, yeah, that is absolutely on the rest on the other ten players. But you know, um, you invest that money on on a score, he's going to have those touches are going to have to be more meaningful, and they're ha- going to have to be um, more impactful, right? Um, you're going to have to create shots more frequently out of your touches. And I think that's what has to happen. And I get it. You know, he scored some amazing goals. And I get that he's just, he he's an amazing scorer. He's not going to continue this. And, and I, I know that's not, um, that's not an opinion that is shared by many, if, if any at all. But I, I don't think that's the case. And I think Ladero has to step up. To be perfectly honest, Ladero has uh, largely for the majority of his time with Clinton Dempsey has been the creator and that's yeah. been enough. Um, right. We've had people on this team that, that, that can create, but you know, you start talking about the injuries to Victor Rodriguez and you talk about the injuries to some of these other players, you're going to have to find somebody that's going to take the shot. And Ladero is one of the few people on this team that can create space for himself and take those shots. And he's so unselfish that sometimes it feels frustrating that uh, he's constantly looking to pass first rather than to the, take the shot. But um, I think the Sounders need him to step up and score goals and not just be the creator for Rui Diaz, but be that number two option behind mm. Rui Diaz. Yeah. Uh, I, I think my more pressing concern with Seattle is the, the defense with Chad Marshall retiring. I think that there are some, there are some issues there. Um, I know Ariaga is is new, and, and and that I don't think anyone was expecting him to be as prominent of a role as he's had to do already for them. Um, but uh, certainly, Kihi. I mean, like once I think he's got one that one one spot locked locked down, and then after that, you know, you're looking at Torres, who is um, had good games, but you know, I think it's very fair to say that he's been inconsistent in that position throughout his time in Seattle. Um, you've got Ariaga, who's uh, still kind of getting his feet wet there, and then uh, maybe Svensson as well, who is not, you know, predominantly a center back. Is kind of your other option there. I guess Jonathan Campbell too. Um, so I think that's a huge hole, um, especially for a team like the Sounders, who have been a very uh, sturdy defensive team in the past. Uh, so I, I would say that that would be more, more, more of my questions are. Well, and not just that, they're a team that attacks with width, right? So their fullbacks are getting forward. So there is more that is that is expected of that central defense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you are putting a lot on Roman Torres or uh, Ariaga or whoever else is back there, right? And Kim Kihi has got to step up. He's been fantastic alongside um, Chad Marshall over the past, you know, year that he's been in Seattle. Yeah, but now he's got to be the leader of that defense. Ex- exactly, and, and he's got to step up. And you know, he he does have you know one or two moments, uh, maybe not a game, but he does have you know. Uh, a moment over the course of maybe two games and he can't have those anymore. Right. He, he has um, a tendency maybe to be a little flashy sometimes. And that's something that, you know, uh, 
when you're talking about somebody that's a leader of a backline, you, you, you just, you can't be that flashy. Uh, I don't yeah. think unless, you know, you're sharing that, that responsibility, like he was, um, Ariaga is still, as you said, new. And I think that, um, it's going to take a while for him to settle in. I don't think Seattle signed him with the expectation that he was going to be an impact center back in a year, uh, in less than a year. So, yeah. um, certainly not within a week. Yeah, for certain. So uh, it's yeah. a it's a tough situation. I, I I think you're absolutely right. Um, their offense is is trending um, kind of precociously, uh, and then as well as their defense is is kind of on pins and needles. So it's kind of like this weird um, balancing act that they're going to have to improve both sides of the ball um, to continue being that team that everybody expected them to be at the yeah. beginning of the season. And this is a team that just desperately needs to get back from international break healthy and have a couple of weeks and, and work this all out. And, um, you know, I think even though uh, the numbers have been a little bit negative about them, it would take a tremendous collapse um, to, to, to miss the playoffs still this year. They've given themselves a really good cushion there. Um, what's the what's the model say on that? Yeah, so the model is pretty favorable about them. They have them at 79%. Um, yeah. It, it, just behind uh, Houston Dynamo, the, the the one thing that I would say, and, and I agree with you, they they very likely will it will take it'll take something very epic for for them to fall apart. But at the same time, I think that with the way that the playoffs has has changed, I think this Seattle team should be expecting to host a playoff game. And right now, I don't think they will. Hmm. Interesting. We shall see. Uh, LA Galaxy preseason. Um, Talk was mainly like, oh, they got to figure out what they're doing with Giovanni Dos Santos. Um, if they can keep Ibrahimovic like being a Superman for another year, even though he's like fifty-five years old or whatever, um, clean up that back line a little bit. And you know, they're as good as any team in the West. It was kind of like the, the the thinking there. And then with uh, um, you know Shiloto coming in, uh, I thought like maybe this guy could kind of like uh, iron out some of those roster's wrinkles and. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of what everybody expected them to be pretty good if they dealt with those situations. They did. Um, and they've been pretty good. Uh, you know, Zlatan has basically, once again, single-handedly carried them to a decent league standing. Um, when he hasn't been there, it's been very, very bad. Um, and I think that uh, Alison Drini's kind of injury would just exacerbate that problem if uh, Ibrahimovic, you know, had to spend any significant time on the bench. Uh, but on the positive side, I think that Palena has been a good signing. Um, I think Felcher's had a really good year at right back when he's been healthy. Um, and Jonathan Dos Santos has actually been excellent for them as well. Yeah, no, um, you know, I actually think that Dos Santos has been there. Their, I know this is going to be absolutely uh, MLS, uh, you know, hypocrisy but uh, or not hypocrisy but you know what i mean um mm-hmm. it, 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 it's heresy heresy there you are um dos santos is their best player um ibrahimovic has largely had the goals that he's had because he's gotten some penalties um maybe one or two that are questionable um that he gets because he's <laughs> ibrahimovic and and look um i get that you know that's part of that's part of why you go out and go get a player like that right um it's the same thing that we talked about with atlanta you know you just sometimes the ball goes in your favor, right? And that, yeah, you, you, yeah. Look, when it goes in your favor, it goes in your favor. You don't question it. Um, that being said, um, they've had a lot of um, strange happenings, uh, and now with Legette, uh going down as well, um, man, 
they're going to be ever dependent upon Ibrahimovic basically to pull out magic to score goals because Dos Santos can absolutely run wild with all the all the things that he can do in that central midfield um and he can he's been really good um but I I if they're not winning games uh Dos Santos isn't going to be probably isn't going to be the type of player that can be that game changer right he's that guy that can hold on to the possession help increase their odds but he's not going to be necessarily the player that that changes uh the game states right um and that's where they kind of lean very heavily upon ibrahimovic yeah uh the other la team the los angeles football club of los angeles california um i think there was like a lot of murkiness to like their preseason kind of thoughts. I, I think everybody knew this was a good team. Um, certainly a team that could compete, you know, for the, the level. They had a they had a lot of talent at their disposal. Uh, I think a lot of the preseason narrative was kind of towards the way they sort of faded at the end of last season and kind of just left in a whimper in the playoffs. Um, but you know, maybe this would be a team to be back. You know, I think things were generally positive. Positive thoughts about the Los Angeles Football Club going forward. Um, in actuality, they have destroyed literally everything in front of them, um, to a historical degree. <laughs> um, the, the the title of greatest MLS team of all time is theirs to lose. Uh, certainly, can Vela has been just. Which, otherworldly which is bl- mind-blowing it's theirs to lose you, you're not wrong yeah. you're not yeah. wrong it is theirs to lose and we're halfway through the season yeah um i mean even guys like rossi blessing k adoesta like these all have credible cases for being like the best at their positions in their league like you can make an mls best 11 and have like none of those people the lafc and i don't think you can make a good argument uh against it uh only the defense i guess is like a slight question mark but like it doesn't matter because they never lose the ball. And then well, they I was going to say when you have fifty-five percent, when you average fifty-five percent possession <laughs> yeah. over the course, and, and you score five goals a game or whatever, <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? I mean yeah. that fifty-five percent uh, possession. I mean that's that's majoritively in their attacking half, and with yeah. Carlos Vela or Diego Rossi or you know Latif Blessing or somebody with that has playmaking abilities. Um, and, and you got to think Lee Wynn is still an impact player in this league and he can't get onto the 11, not because he's no good, but because there's just no space for him. Like D- Diamande was one of the, like the best goal scorers in the league last year. And he's on the bench. Like they have like three people on the bench that could be like stars of other MLS teams. <laughs> They're just sitting there. Oh, and by the way, they just opened up a DP spot and they just opened up a DP slot. Not for Daniel De Rossi, I'm telling you that right now. Sporting press people on Twitter. Well, you know, um, that'd be crazy. That know. that would be rather absurd. That there that doesn't make any sense whatsoever on why he would. Why I they hope would they use him. it on Daniel De Rossi because if they use it on anybody else that's good, no one else in MLS has a chance. No, I mean, well, okay. So let's 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 walk it back because the reality is that a Vancouver team beat the, them, and and there's a lot of things that kind of went into that, right? Um, there's definitely something to be said that maybe um, uh, they overlooked uh, 
they overlooked Vancouver. They had a game. They, they had, underestimated Mark Dos Santos. Never do it. Well, yeah, I don't think it was Mark Dos Santos because I'm you got to sure think Mark Dos Santos is coming. Personal. I mean, he's coming off that coaching staff, so he definitely That's a knows. Very good point. He definitely knows some uh, some Withdraw. things about LAFC. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, <laughs> yeah. LAFC had Seattle that weekend. Yeah, uh, the, the Seattle was the only other team at that time that was thought to be kind of in their caliber or in their um, tier. And there is definitely, I don't want to, I don't want to say that Bob Bradley overlooked them. Cause I, I, I would be, I think Bob Bradley would be angry with me if I said that. Um, yeah. I think he, he would absolutely, I think he'd be at, well, yeah, I think he would take offense if someone were to suggest that. Right. Yes. Um, he gets, he gets very angry very easily. He, he does. He seems very, very slight thing. It's going to very much incense Bob Bradley. Um, uh, that being said, slight, his perceived uh, slight meter is uh, way overtuned. For sure, for sure. But uh, that being said, yeah, the, this defense, I do, I do wonder if um, it's quick enough to handle a team like Houston, a team like. Uh, it is. It, yeah. It, look, um, there's not a lot of teams that can necessarily bomb down like uh vancouver did last year um i i don't think that rsl is capable it'll be kind of interesting because i feel like there's no team in the west that necessarily holds the pieces that could be maybe portland um with with brian fernandez getting wide um could create some problems maybe Eva bose but i i don't know if um and, and this is just me being honest. I don't know if they have the tactic, the tactical expertise to on that bench that that's going to be able to expose uh, LAFC. I really don't, and I think that they don't have a strong enough defense to really. Um, I think LAFC could feels very comfortable getting in a shootout with a bunch of teams. Um, I mean, they got in a shootout with Portland in their first home game and right won pretty handily. They did, and it's true. Um, yeah, I mean, in a one-off playoff thing. Yeah, LAFC could have a bad game. Vela could stub his toe playing Guitar Hero. You know, crazy things happen. Um, an injury to Vela would, would really affect this team, I think. Um, same thing with K. Um, a lot of it comes down to health and luck. Uh, uh, and thus far, these things have been, been definitely in LAFC's favor. Um, well, I mean... You say that luck hasn't necessarily been in there. They've been, as far as our numbers are concerned, they've been luck neutral. They haven't even gotten lucky yet. Yeah, I mean luck in the sense that they haven't dealt with a rash of injuries like other top teams but, have. They but they did. They, 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 I mean, not like this. No. Well, Ramirez went down. Lee Wynn went down in the middle of the season. They had. I mean, these they, are these are Walker these are. Zimmerman was gone. It, it was and is gone uh, for a couple different stretches of the U.S. Uh, national team. So uh, Tyler Miller is gone right now. They're using a backup keeper. They have pieces that are gone, right? Latif Blessing has had multiple calf strains. Um, <laughs> have they ever started less than 18 people on a game day roster? To- okay, they, they haven't been SKC. I will give you that. But it's not as if they've been like completely um, like blessed by the gods. They, they, they've, they've dealt with injuries, and they just have so much depth and, and quality that they've yes. that they've just 
absolutely coasted through those problems seemingly unfazed and and some of that is because they have Diego Rossi and some of that is because they have uh um they have Carlos Vela um I think those are two really large reasons why they're able to coast through those issues but um look that's you, Seattle still has those issues and they have Nico Ladero. Uh, you know, you, you still have LA Galaxy that have those issues and they have Ibrahimovic, right? Yeah, but like even, but like the Galaxy have had more like stuff. Like, I, I mean, okay, yes, LAC's had some injuries, but not like Alessandrini. They don't have like their second, LAC's second best player isn't gone for the season. It's true. They've never missed, like, Seattle, like, it was missing, like, Seattle could barely get players on, 18 players on the field the last three weeks. Like, LAC's that dealt with nothing like that. SKC's been that way for, like, two months. I mean, yeah, they've been, they've had some injuries, but not to, like, crucial key components, and not to, like, just, like, the, the carpet bombing the other teams have dealt with. So that's when I say they've been relatively lucky, compared to those other teams, yes. Okay, compared to, totally fair. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a totally valid point. And, and I think those are all, like, their competitors. Like, those are the teams that were expected to be with them. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's all I'm saying. But, but this is taking nothing away from LAFC, who have done everything right as well. Like, they've made no missteps, basically. Um, so yeah, that's well, all. I, I would be really interested to see when SKC gets healthy, when Seattle gets healthy, if the, either of those two teams can really compete against LAFC, because I feel like tactically they don't match up very well with them. They don't. And that that's my that looking at where the season's going to play out. I feel like you're hoping LAFC is hoping they don't get Houston and they don't get Portland. Um, those are the two teams, and I know they beat already beat Portland, and I know Portland's defense is garbage, but Portland's yeah. attack can absolutely. I feel like Portland and Seattle or Portland and Houston's uh, attacks can can absolutely um, keep up with LAFC right now, and that's not to say SKC has a garbage attack. Uh, Johnny Russell can absolutely get behind uh, some people, and you know, and Christian Nemeth is really good, but they're a little bit more slow moving both both seattle and skc are at points where they want they'd rather possess and they'd rather fight it out in the midfield to to win that possession and i i feel like i'm gonna go with lafc every single time when you when you're asking who's gonna win a midfield battle um it's gonna be lafc and portland and houston neither of those teams care if they win that midfield battle neither of them do well you know who else might be lafc Someone coming out of the East. And yeah. that's what we'll be talking about next week on this very program. A similar format to the one you just heard, um, but about Eastern Conference teams instead of Western. It's not that hard to understand. We did the West this week. We're doing the East next week. I think that's. I think everybody gets it. I'm confused. You, you got it. <laughs> Thank you uh, so much to everybody for listening. Thank you to uh, my co-host and friend Harrison. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. You can find uh, American Soccer Analysis. Uh, the, the Twitter handle is at Analysis Evolved. Visit our website, www.americasocceranalysis.com. There's a special post up there uh, we'd ask you to read uh, right now, kind of explaining that uh, due to circumstances beyond our control, um, the operating cost for American Soccer Analysis, the website has gone up or will go up potentially. Uh, within the next few months and uh we just put a little patreon down just asking for a little help not a lot of money uh just a little bit and thus far people have been been very generous and if you've given or read and considered thank you so much it, it means the world to us and we're, we're so glad that you uh find this resource as valuable as we do 
Um, but but if you could check that out, give it a read. If you got a couple extra bucks, throw them throw them in the tip jar. That would be greatly appreciated. If not, I have no way of knowing that you didn't do it, so I won't judge you in any way. Uh, but 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 definitely uh, do give that a read. Uh, and we should have content resuming very shortly on there as well. Um, some pieces coming up later this week, so make sure to check that out. Uh, don't we have a new feature on the table that I'm forgetting? Yeah, we have a couple things Did Maddie, that. Uh, did Maddie that, add anything? Well, Maddie's constantly <laughs> playing around with it, but uh, he actually has a couple things that um, he kind of well. Expected the, points are new. Yeah, well, that's in pre-production. So yeah, but we have oh. expected points that are that are up and coming. We have uh, a couple other things that are in the works, um, and it, that's expected points added as well for the players, as well as expected points for uh, for, for teams. So. It'll be kind of interesting. Close, close to the WAR for soccer. Yeah, um, I believe they also have a uh, a win probability graph that the, uh, him and yeah. uh, uh, Matthias. I don't know how to work that thing yet. Yeah, it, it's to show me. I, I played around with it today. Uh, there, right. there's, Maybe you can teach me. He he has he has some uh, references to uh, to to some nicknames for some sounders uh, that uh, was kind of funny. Uh, I don't know if he'll change that or not for <laughs> the well, public version. Well, he will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see uh so yeah go check that out if you can um uh, check out that post uh otherwise thank you so much for listening uh we will see you next week and until then enjoy all the international soccer and celebrate accordingly celebrate fairly have a little class guys On the road to hell, there was a railroad track. Oh, come on! And a train coming up from way down below. That was not six months. Better go and get your suitcase packed. Guess it's time to go. Follow that dollar for a long way down. Far away from the poorhouse door. You either get the hell out of Hades Town. Ain't no difference anymore. Way down Hades Town, way down under the ground. Hound dog Highland, a whistle blow. Train come a rolling, clickety clang. Nobody knows where that old train goes. Those who go, they don't come back. They're going way down Hades Town, way down under the ground. To entertain myself Give me morphine in a tin Give me a crate of the fruit of the vine Takes a lot of medicine To make it through the winter time Way down, Hades Town Way down under the ground Everybody dresses in clothes so fine Everybody's pockets are weighted down Everybody's sipping and rolls of wine In a gold mine In Hades Town Way down Everybody hungry, everybody tired, everybody-
Everybody slave by the sweat of his brow. The wage is nothing and the work is hard. It's a graveyard in Hades Town. Way down, Hades Town, way down under the ground. Mr. Hades is a mean old boss With a silver whistle and a golden scale Alive or die. And he weighs the cost Alive or And just sold for sale Stole To the king on the chromium throne Throne To the bottom of a sing-sing sail With a wheel squeals and a big wheel groans And you better forget about your wishing well Way down Hades town Way down under the ground On the road to hell, there was a railroad car. And the car door opened and a man stepped out. Everybody looked and everybody saw it was the same man they'd been singing about. You're early. I missed you. Mr. Hades is a mighty king Must be making some mighty big deals Seems like he owns everything 